0: This podcast is for parents like you, navigating the world of neurodiversity with love and compassion. I'm a neurodivergent mother of three amazing neurodivergent children and a board-certified music therapist. Our mission is to create a supportive space where you feel understood, connected, and inspired. With practical tips, strategies, and resources, we'll help you and your child thrive in your unique way. Join us as we dive deep into the diverse world of neurodivergent individuals, exploring topics like ADHD, autism, dyslexia, sensory processing challenges, and more. We'll cover it all to empower, educate, and uplift both neurodivergent individuals and those who walk alongside them. Together, we'll create a world where every brain is valued and celebrated. We're excited to embark on this enlightening journey with you. We are your hosts, Samantha Foote and Lauren Ross, and this is the Every Brain is Different podcast. Welcome to the Every Brain is Different podcast. We are here with Carrie Bonnet, and Carrie is a veteran teacher and lifelong list maker. She is an executive function coach based in Bend, Oregon, where she lives with her husband and two children. Carrie works with students and families all over the world with a no shame approach and strategies that she teaches. Carrie, we are so excited that you're on the show. Thank you for coming. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So ca- tell us more. About how you're involved in the neurodivergent community, yeah. Um,
1: well, being an executive function coach, it, most people who know anything about um, neurodiversity or brains or different le- learning differences will probably have heard the term executive function. Um, or in some ways, they hear it as executive dysfunction sometimes. Um, and so i I work with a whole lot of clients who would probably describe themselves as neurodiverse. So um, not everyone that I work with has any kind of official diagnosis, um, but and you can probably imagine that a lot of clients that I see have an ADHD diagnosis, maybe they' um, have an autism diagnosis or other learning differences, dyslexia and other things. So um, so I spend a lot of time with people who would describe them their brains as different, just like your podcast says. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. And what exactly are like executive functioning skills, or what is executive dysfunction?
1: Yeah, I would like to start with the, what is executive function first. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, for sure. So
1: the short—I like to share like a short definition, and then I'll tell you a sort of more, more specifically, like a, more information about it. But but the the short definition is that executive function skills are the brain skills that help us get things done. So that's the like simple definition. Um, what that really means is their skills like planning, um, time management, task initiation, I mean, like getting started on a task is, is a specific skill, organization, self-checking and self-monitoring, um, prioritizing, like how do I know which task to do first or which step to do first? And of course, organization that comes up a lot too when I'm talking with parents and students. So those are the kinds of things we're talking about. Those are the the skills we're talking about. Um, and then when this this term sort of executive dysfunction is out there, is that a brain is having challenges with some of those? Some or all of those specific skills.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I used to think that I didn't have ADHD and then I looked into executive functioning skills and I was like, oh, I struggle with every single one of those. Like (laughs) I can't get started in a task, let alone organize it. Actually, I can organize a task and I can organize it on paper very, very well. But when I go to do it, I can't get it done. Like I'm like, oh, I need to change the plan. I need to do this. And so I can't do what's written on the paper because I don't know why. I guess I just yeah. have executive dysfunction. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, but, you're not
1: alone. I hear yeah. that all the time. Like sometimes my students, I, by the way, I work with students and adults too, like mm-hmm. middle, middle school and up. Um, but also I have adult clients too. So someone like you might say to me, like, I can make a plan all day long. It's the implementing of the plan that is the challenge. And you, you hit it on the head. Like task initiation is a Biggie when it comes to people. Most, I would say 99% of the people who come to see me, um, that's a big challenge. Just getting started, just getting started. Like I have this plan on paper. It's beautiful. Look how organized it is. Or maybe not, but it's the getting started part that's hard. So you're not alone. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I can fill out a planner like no one's business. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Implementing what is in that planner, totally different story. Right. Right. I was just talking to an adult client I have
1: yesterday. And he was saying something very similar. Like it's not about the putting it on paper. Although a lot of brains do need it on paper, Mm -hmm. not everyone. Um, But then the actual doing of it. And then he was saying that like, then I get stuck because if I see that I haven't done what I said I was going to do in my planner or on my to-do list or whatever, then I'm stuck and I don't know what to do next (laughs) because I haven't done it. And I planned to do it, but I didn't do it. And then now, where do I put it in my day? And what time should I? Uh, anyway, just your brain, his brain gets stuck. So we were just talking about that yesterday. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And do you find that, like, I've heard of people that, let's say they have an appointment at three o'clock in the afternoon, they cannot do any other tasks mm-hmm. until that appointment is done because their brain can't think of anything else other than that appointment. Yeah. Anxiety, like, place, I, I am not an expert on anxiety. I'm not. An expert on ADHD.
1: My thing is specifically executive function, but I think anxiety plays into it a lot. I and I, I hear this all the time that I think there's fear that that you're going to miss the appointment, right? And then there's fear that you're you're going to get started on something and then get hyper focused. And then get stuck and miss the appointment. Um, yeah. I hear this all the time. I hear it from students. I hear it from adults for sure. It's, I call it like waiting mode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like you're just sort of in waiting mode and you yeah. just, you can't quite, your brain can't quite attack any other task while you're in waiting mode. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, I could talk to you all day about like <laughs> all my things. So tell us more about your journey. Like how did you get here? How did you start working in this area?
1: Sure. Um, I come at it from the teacher side. So I was a classroom teacher for 14 years um, in the humanities, middle and high school. And um, I I like to think that I was teaching, or I'd like to say that I was teaching executive function skills before I even really knew what they were. Because in my teacher training, this did not exist. <laughs> um, and so this this is an area of strength for me. So I was just teaching students how to, you know, um, create a plan for the class period, or I was teaching students how to think about how much time it might take them to do a specific task. I didn't know, I wasn't calling it that, but anyway, so I, this is something that I, I enjoy. I like it's this area of strength for me. And so, um, three years ago, I just decided I didn't mean to start during COVID, (laughs) but I started in 2020, um, looking into just a whole lot of things in the universe sort of aligned, that um, I was hearing from parents during COVID school, of course, that, oh my gosh, I thought my student was doing okay at school until they were at home doing school. And I was watching how challenging it was. Um, And I was hearing from teachers, of course, with similar like teachers who were hearing from parents whose kids were struggling. So I, I did some digging. I had been kind of around in my head for a while. I have some friends who um, are school psychologists and they introduced the idea to me many years ago and just kept kind of poking at me. So um, so I decided to get some training. So I worked, there's a, um, a really wonderful program called Seeing My Time. It's based in Portland, Oregon. Um, so I did some training with that program. I have, of course, tools of my own design that I've been doing, using with my students for a long, long time. Um, and turns out, the need is great. There are Mm -hmm. a lot of students and adults who really need support. Their brains just need support. So, um, and the research says that these skills have to be taught that we don't just like learn them by being in a room with someone who, you know, like we actually have to explicitly teach these skills. Um, and the earlier the better. So I got excited about it. I love talking about this stuff. Um, and i like to share it with as many people as possible that like it's a real thing it's not just someone who's willfully not doing their homework or
0: yes right? it's a real thing it's yeah. a real brain thing so yeah so um i just wanted to ask you what would you tell parents if let's say their kid is in school and their kid is asked to do something that is too much for their brain, too overwhelming. They can't start the task because it's too overwhelming. And so they just shut down. Yeah. What, what would you tell parents? Like, where do you start?
1: I, th- I mean, that happens a lot, I think. Because I
0: think about like, um, like all the skills it takes to do
1: independent work. Like let's just talk that you asked about a classroom. So like you're in the yeah. classroom. I have to do this thing that my teacher asked me to do. Well, like first you have to understand the directions then you have to be able to get started, right? Um, maybe even before getting started, you have to kind of break it down into smaller steps. And then you have to be able to get started on your own. And then you have to stick to it. And then you have to finish it. And then you have to turn it in. Like there's so many things involved. Um, I mean, I think the first thing I would say to parents is that communication with teachers is really, really important, especially for brains that have executive function challenges. Um is, I think important, most important is to just have a conversation with the teacher as early as possible that like, you know, my child has challenges in this area. Um, and then I, the shutting down part is real. It's almost like, um, like their battery, just like, just gets drained. Right. And they can't yeah. physically like, can't, um, I think breaks are good. Like moving your body is always a good idea and not necessarily like jumping jacks, but sometimes just literally moving to a different location can be helpful. I love working with teachers to give them strategies too, to try when they're students, because they have, you know, 25 or 30 of them in a room. Um, Hopefully not that many, that 30 sounds like a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's the, what I would say is to trust your kid. Like they're not trying to be difficult. It's a, it's a lagging skill. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, with, with pe- parents and teachers, I like to talk about just getting curious about your student. Like, what if, what if they aren't being willful? What if they legitimately can't fill in the blank, whatever the thing is? Um, then of course we would step back and wonder, right? Like getting curious about, about students is pretty important.
0: Um, they would do better if they could. Yeah. I love that. Like, um, I heard that before this week that if my child could do better, they would, they're doing their best Mm -hmm. with what they have. And Mm -hmm. so I always say like, maybe if a child is overwhelmed at the beginning of a task, just break it down into steps for them and say, Hey, Mm -hmm. we're going to do this first. So let's work on, let's only focus on this step and don't give them all the steps at the same time. Is that something that you've seen? Oh yeah, that's a great strategy. That's like, there's a lot of things involved. The overwhelm is real,
1: but that one of the skills, um, the executive function skills is working memory, which is kind of like keeping all the steps, keeping in front of mind the things that I need to do. Um, But we sometimes overload the working memory, like there's too much. And so absolutely, I even with, with teachers, especially, and parents, we kind of do that. We overload kids. Working memory, we don't mean yeah. to, but one instruction at a time. Yeah. Or in some cases, some teachers have um, like a folder with a little piece of something cut out of it so that they can put it, the child can put it on top of the math worksheet and only see one problem at a time, because even just seeing all of them can feel overwhelming. Yeah. Um, and you bring up breaking it into step. I mean, part of it is working memory, like overloading working memory, but also that what you're talking about in the executive functional world, we call that chunking. Yeah. Like breaking it into smaller bits, chunks um, that are achievable um, is pretty important as well. Small, small baby steps, baby steps. Sometimes, like, it feels ridiculous how small it is. But if we just, one step at a time then um sometimes the momentum will then come maybe not but yeah
0: yeah is there a way like how do you improve working memory so i hear a lot in like the music therapy world like or i do behavioral intervention too that i want my child to be able to follow three-step directions well that's a lot of directions if you have trouble with working memory (laughs) so Mm -hmm. how would you suggest like improving working memory I'm not sure that's the goal to be okay. honest. That's, that's what I wanted to ask you too. Like, yeah. should we even be focusing on that? Well, I mean, I, I have, there's, there's a couple ways to look at it. One is that, um, you know, some
1: brains struggle with this stuff and will continue to struggle with it. Um, brains with ADHD, the, the sort of the conventional wisdom out there in the brain science world right now is that brains with ADHD are like a three-year delay in executive function so if there's a 13-year-old that I'm working with, that might mean that his or her brain is a, like a 10-year-old in terms of executive function, perhaps super intelligent, maybe advanced in other ways, but the working memory maybe is delayed. Um, so so there's that. And, and it's developmental too, right? So like there's the lagging skill, but as they get older, it will slightly improve probably, but maybe not. So, like my goal is to support a kid where they're at, yeah, you know, like you mentioned three step directions. The research out there on brains says right now for children that a sort of a neurotypical child can remember up to one to three items, one to three steps um and that's like a a neurotypical kid, and if there's someone who's lagging in that skill, then maybe it's just one st- instruction at a time, like we talked about um I'm not saying like, don't ever try to improve because brands Mm -hmm. can change. Um, But I think the goal is rather to support than to um, push to improve a specific skill. And eventually, yeah, maybe by the time they're, you know, 20 there, it will be much better. I hope so. But if not, then let's have some strategies that we can use to support the lagging skill of the working memory.
0: Yeah. I love that. Just... Support kids where they're at and don't – and obviously you want to improve. Sure. Everyone wants to improve, but don't focus so much on my kid will follow three-step directions because that might be just not in the cards, you know? Mm-hmm. And sure. you can – there are so many things you can do. Like you can write a list out like we talked about of like these are the things that I need you to do or just give them one direction at a time. Say, okay, I need you to do this. With – um, in my house, I have a really hard time because I – want my kids to do all the things at the same time. And so I'm like, you need to get ready for school. For example, I'm like, okay, you need to eat breakfast. You need to get dressed. You need to brush your teeth. And I say all these things to them. And my kids are only like eight years old and under. And they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. so That's I'm exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. We're the worst. Mom, yeah. we're the worst. Yeah, <laughs> I will see them. Like, I'll be like, okay, you need to go brush your teeth. And then you need to, so they'll start walking towards to brush their teeth. I'm like, you need to get dressed. And then they'll walk towards getting dressed. And I'm like, They're, okay, I, I need to slow down. Yeah, Let them finish one thing and then tell them the next thing, but I want to tell them all the things so that I right. can move on with my day. Exactly. That's and, what I was going to say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, you're, you're very, um, self-aware. Yeah. Um, I think, I
1: mean, uh, some of it is, is how are we doing as parents? How are our, as teachers, how are we doing? Are, are our expectations more than what the child can do? And in that situation, I would say, yes. They are, <laughs> yeah, they are right. Like we can't expect them. I do the same thing, and I have a thirteen-year-old, and I'm like, "Go get your laundry, would you? And then he's walking away. I'm like, "Oh, while you're back there, could you also, yeah, and then, what do I think? And then it's gone." It's he's like, "What do you want me to do?" Which I, it's, I don't even know.
0: <laughs> yeah, so, yeah.
1: It's it it's it's good practice to kind of check our own expectations.
0: Yeah, definitely manage your own expectations, and then think of like what you would do cuz i do this with my husband too i'm like i need you to do this i need you to do this i need you to do this he's like i need you to give me one thing to do yeah and then we will move on from there because okay. but i need to get it like out of my brain it's like you need you know? to offload it
1: you need yeah, to offload yeah. it and get it out yeah. which maybe for you that could be you writing it down yeah keeping it somewhere here for yourself so that then you can give one instruction at a time
0: yeah So I like completely overwhelm my husband. He's not diagnosed or anything, but like there might be something there, you know? Mm -hmm. And he's like, what do you want me to do? Because you just gave me like five things. (laughs) right now. So what do you want me to do right at this second? And I'm Uh like, okay. So yeah, you're, you're right. Like, Uh like I need to take things and get my own things to do rather than overwhelming everyone. So I. I actually got this and you can tell me what you think about this or if you even think it will work. Um, I got those little checkmark things that like list your nighttime routine for my kids so that they can move one thing over to the next. So like it says, you know, get get pajamas on and it's on. Then they move the little tab over to the checkmark when it's done. Do you see that working well for people? I love it. It can for sure.
1: I mean, one of the, one of the like main themes, I don't know, broad themes of the mm-hmm. work that I do with is to figure out ways to, um, make the invisible visible Ooh. Meaning, like the nighttime routine, for example. So like, yeah, sure. Like it probably has the brush your teeth, go to the bathroom, brush your teeth, put your pajamas on, whatever the things are, but it's all in your head. It's all invisible. Right. So yeah. I, I. I love what you've got there for making it visible, right? Like the and I also like the movement part that the that the child has to move something like physical. Um, yeah, it can work great for some brains, absolutely. We have something similar that we use for our after school kind of routine at our house using magnets. but mm-hmm. um one other thought about it and and that is that sometimes brains that struggle with this stuff, even if we have a list, um, they still can't picture themselves doing the thing. So try it and see how it goes. It may be just enough visibility <laughs> to to help with the routine. And sometimes like, even if it says brush your teeth, some brains can't picture themselves brushing their teeth. That's part of this sort of executive dysfunction, I guess. Uh-huh. Um, and so sometimes a strategy can then be to actually have a photo of them brushing their teeth, you know, in the routine that you've created for them in the bathroom or whatever. So so that's just something to think about in addition to, or if this thing you feel like, gosh, something's not quite, maybe it's that they can't quite picture themselves doing the thing. So a photo of a child with a toothbrush and a photo of a child, you know, putting on their pajamas or whatever the thing is. Um, Sometimes that can be really helpful for, for some brains.
0: Yeah. that's genius. Or making
1: a comic like, like a little comic instead, you know, I'm not saying to return your thing that you bought because I think you should try it. I think you should try it. But like like making a comic, first I do this, then I do this, then I do this. Like sometimes that is enough to to help a student picture in their brain what's going on and what I need to be doing.
0: That is awesome. Also for maybe kids who struggle to read. Yep, absolutely. So, or they don't read yet. Or aren't so. reading yet. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Images so, are really great. Can yeah. Be really yeah. That's awesome. Um, do you have any other strategies that you would like to share with our audience? I have a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> I love talking about yeah. this stuff.
1: But yeah, the 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 out of sight, out of mind thing, the like mm-hmm. making stuff visible is my my first tip that I always say mm-hmm. um, because because there's so much that's invisible, right? Like chores and expectations and homework assignments. They're in the internet, but they're still invisible when you close your iPad or So trying to make things visible. So that's, could be a a checklist or a um, a picture. It could be um, time is invisible. Yeah. I love an analog clock for time because it shows the passing of time, right? It's a very visual way to see the passing of time. Um, So make the invisible visible is the biggest one. Um, Another thing I I like to think about is, gosh, routines are important. (laughs) Yeah. Um, For brains. I mean, I have many students who say I hate routines, but then they acknowledge that they need routines. Yeah. (laughs) Because when, when everything is new all the time, that is a lot of energy for your brain. So to have, to, to start some sort of, of a routine consistency, some structure, brains really, really thrive. Even if they think they don't, (laughs) Yeah. Even even if someone said, I have an adult client who says, I really hate routines, but I need routines. you know? Um, so any way to, to figure out sort of a system for, and it could be a morning routine. It could be the nighttime routine that you talked about. It could just be getting the shoes on routine, but like some, something that, so your brain doesn't have to work so hard to remember what do I do again? Um, and teacher, I tell teachers the same thing, like routine, like they to teach your students what happens when they walk in the door? What do they first do? What do they next do? So now, is it going to be automatic right away? No, no, no. That stuff mm-hmm. takes time and a lot of patience. <laughs> um, but routine structure, consistency is super important for brains. Um, I
0: have a lot of other <laughs> no, we have 10 minutes. To okay. talk. So okay. whatever you want to share, and okay. then we're going to talk about, um, your resources that you have and where people can find you. Okay. But, um, yeah, let's talk. Well,
1: how about, how about getting started? Like, mm-hmm. you know, that is, like I said, is task initiation is one of the skills that most people that I work with will cite as, as a real challenge. Um, so, I have all kinds of ideas for how to, to get started, but, but one of them for starters is gosh, timers are pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, <laughs> t- because uh, w- for what I understand about brains, we think we sort of have it backwards. We sometimes think adults and maybe older students think that we have to get motivated in order to get started. Like we have to muster up the, energy or the motivation to start the boring task or the non-preferred task. Um, but what I understand about brains is it's actually the other way around that we have to actually start first and then the motivation comes. That makes um, sense. So what I encourage people to try is a very short timer. Like, I don't know, tell me something boring that you have to do in the next few days.
0: Uh, music therapy notes. No oh, notes, the notes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like for you, right? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I always recommend set a
1: super short timer. Like I don't know what you think a super short timer, but maybe five minutes, maybe ten minutes mm-hmm. um, for a young child, two, three minutes. Um, but actually, use a timer. Set a timer, um, and and then just tell yourself like, when that's done, give yourself permission to stop if you want, possibly. Once your 10 minutes are up, you'll be like, uh, I can do one more yeah. or I can keep going on this a little bit longer and then set another timer. Um, I just think, cause part of, part of what's people who have, um, that have executive function challenges with time, sometimes they, they don't feel time either. Like, I don't know what 10 minutes even feels like.
0: Mm-hmm. So that's why an
1: actual timer has to be set because I don't feel 10 minutes is. So setting an actual timer. Oh, okay. Well that's 10 minutes. Cause it's set right here on the timer. Um, and th- you know, that's another, there's a, um, a really great strategy for doing boring tasks called the Pomodoro method. I don't know if you've heard of this before, but it's, it's involving using a timer. <laughs> Pomodoro means tomato in Italian. Some uh, Italian dude came up with this, but it's kind of like a, um, I think it's used in the business world, Um, quite a lot, but I recommend it a lot, which is like setting a timer. I think he says 25 minutes on and then five minutes off. So like you, you say to yourself, I'm going to do those music notes, music therapy notes for 25 minutes. And then I set an actual five minute timer. I stand up, I go somewhere, but not like scroll your phone five minutes. (laughs)
0: Um,
1: It has to be kind of like movement or get a cup of tea or a snack or, um, restorative, And then get back to work. So the way he talks about it is like 25 on, five off, 25 on, five off, 25. I tell my clients, I don't care about the 25 number. Like find a sweet spot for you that is, maybe I can do that for 19 minutes. (laughs) Maybe I can really focus for 17 minutes, whatever it is. I don't care. But then take a little timer and then go back and forth until the task is complete. Um, There's lots of ways to use timers. I don't always love the timer on the phone. Because we get sucked into our phones so quickly.
0: Yes. Like
1: the timer goes off, and I'm like, oh, someone texted me." You know? Uh, yeah. Can you use a timer on your phone? Absolutely. But sometimes I recommend an actual timer product. You know, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. a timer, or there's there's some cool ones out there that are more visual that I like too.
0: That makes sense. Because also, you have to, if you want to see how much time is left on the timer on your phone, you have to like you have to click look it. At it. You know, you have to look at it, yeah. and then you'll be like, "Oh." somebody texted me, somebody yep. left me a Facebook message, you know? Right. Right. So, yeah. I mean, another way without an actual time where you can do it. So I have this little analog clock, but
1: mm-hmm. you can, this is like a little post-it flag you can see yeah. there. I, I know this is a podcast, but yeah. you could, you know, put two post-it flags pointing here and here. And that tells you when your, your time is up. Um, um another visual way of
0: mm-hmm. yeah.
1: showing that, um, So you can use an analog clock face for sort of a timer-esque.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome.
1: Um, Yeah. Or even like even a playlist or a song. Like I have one parent who said, my kid really resists timers. He's like, okay, well, how about you put together a playlist that is the, I don't know what, clean your room playlist. And it's Mm -hmm. three songs or, or one song that's a specific length. Um, So there's ways to get creative about that, but I love a timer.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I do the song thing with my kids because they get, I don't know why, but they don't like timers. Yeah. And so we don't use timers timers in our house, but we do use songs. And so I'm like, right. we are going to pick up our house, like pick up all the stuff on the floor, in the time that it takes to this one song to play, you know, and they they can do that. But if I say we're gonna pick up for five minutes, no, I don't want to do it for five minutes. Yeah, like, yeah, what yeah. In the world, it's the same. Thing. I know. Aren't they funny? So, are yeah, funny. yeah,
1: yeah are funny. That's a great way to do it. Yeah. Sure. I love
0: like that. Yeah. It. So that's great. Thank you. Um, what? strat not strategies. We've been talking about strategies. <laughs> <laughs> what resources do you have that parents can find from you?
1: Yeah. Well, I have a website, which is just yeah. my name, Carrie bonnet.com. And, um, <clears throat> there's a bunch of resources on there, but specifically, um, I have a, a blueprint. I call it like the parents blueprint for helping your child get things done. Um, and that you can find at Carrie slash blueprint. That's a, a freebie, um, which will sign you up for my email list. And I said, I have a regular Tuesday email that I send out with strategies and tips and reminders about what's going on in my coaching practice and um, lots of resources there too. So lots of free, and I have a blog on my website. So lots of free, free resources available there. But then I also work one-on-one with students and families and I have a parent group and do teacher trainings. So lots of ways. That's awesome. And you work with middle school and high school, middle school on up. Middle school on up. That's right. And on zoom all the time. I work with people here locally too, but, um, but also on zoom.
0: Yeah. And would you say your strategies and stuff, do they work for younger kids? Like, so if I signed up for your email list, yeah. um, would I benefit just from having like kids in elementary school? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay.
1: The reason I don't work with younger students is just because you'd mostly be working with the parents. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause they're so little. Um, but I do have a parent group and any parent, a parent with any age child can join that. But yes, the email list is things that like what we talked about today, like little strategies and ideas and resources for any parent. Yeah. Or teacher or parent, any caregiver. Yeah.
0: Well, that's great. Thank you for sharing all of your information today. I love it. And it definitely has helped me in my life. So I hope (laughs) it's helped our listeners. Um, Final question. What do you do for fun?
1: super fun well i have a couple of dogs mm-hmm. <laughs> and i love they need exercise as you know but i love you know taking them for walks and watching them wrestle and play around with them with each other and other dogs um and i love to read yeah for when i have a moment to just i do i have some kind of semi-mindless book that i have on my bedside table i do a lot of reading for my my work but um that's not the kind of thing I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Like just escape a little bit. So I love to yeah. read and hang out with my pups.
0: That's awesome. I love it. Cool. Yay. Well, thank you so much. We appreciate your time. <laughs> uh, you're welcome. It was nice talking to you. I love talking about all this stuff. Awesome. Thank you for listening to this episode. We hope the discussion on neurodiversity has provided you with support, understanding, and inspiration. If you found our podcast valuable, please share it with others who may benefit from our insights and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Hit the follow button and let's keep exploring the fascinating world of neurodiversity. Click the link in our show notes to visit our website for a free download of three tips for a stronger relationship with your child.